0: You might think to yourself, I'm going to go after that master called career, money, uh, all these other things that I, I, I'm excited about and I, I want to pour myself into. But guess what? Those are going to crush you in those at the end, because those masters are worldly masters. Welcome to Tell Podcasts. You're listening to encouraging words from Pastor Dan, bringing you truth and peace through God's Word. In this episode, we talk about relationships with fellow Christians, Why is it so important that we have those relationships? Think, evaluate, learn, lead. T-E-L-L, tell. Now here's Pastor Dan, showing us the importance of setting your priorities. Thanks for listening. Today, we talk about a very special relationship. I'm excited to bring you the word of God about a relationship with one another, as fellow believers in the church. And uh, to look at this, you could look at a whole bunch of different areas of our relationship with each other as believers. Uh, But today we're gonna look at the specific reason that we are the way that we are with each other. And that comes out of grace. Uh, And out of grace, we see that our life has totally been transformed. And we see that not just in ourselves, but we see that in other people as well. Believers that believe the same thing that we do uh, in the gospel. So Romans chapter 12 is our text this morning. It starts with verse 1, and it says here, Paul's writing, the apostle and missionary. uh, He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. The first thing that you notice is that first word, therefore, and you're wondering to yourself, well, what came before this, right? What came before this, this comes on the heels of one of the most beautiful, concise, sweeping gospel presentations that there ever is. It's a beautiful piece of literature to say the least, but it's also true. Romans 1 to 11 speaks about our lost condition as human beings, how we fall short of the glory of God, but we are redeemed by grace and it is by faith through Jesus Christ that makes us righteous in God's sight, and you have these powerful chapters about how we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus and nothing in the world, our mindset is that we're unbreakable, we're unsinkable when we have grace in our life and that we're forgiven. Chapters one to 11, there's something that if you have never read before, you need to read because it is, gets to the core of the Christian faith, your faith and mine, and it, it leads up to the therefore. Therefore, what Paul is saying, because you know all of this, chapters one to 11, and it's true in your life, what I am about to say is also true for you in your life because you're forgiven, redeemed, bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, this is true for you. Your life is now a living sacrifice. Living sacrifice. What's that all about? Sacrifice, well, for the original readers, Jews and Gentiles, uh, even the pagan religions had sacrifices in their rituals. It always, uh, in, the, in, in the Jewish temple and the, and the um, tabernacle, they had sacrifices where animals were brought to atone for the sin of the person and the people. So animals would be brought to the altar, they'd be slaughtered, they would be blood, it'd be smelly. It was a gross scene, And Paul says, now you are a living sacrifice. How are we as New Testament believers like a sacrifice in the Old Testament? Well, I'll tell you how we are not like an Old Testament sacrifice. None of us are getting up on an altar and being slaughtered. (laughs) This is not a bloody sacrifice. All those sacrifices were bloody sacrifices and they atoned for sins. And I'll tell you this, this is another way that it is not like an Old Testament sacrifice. It is not a sacrifice that atones for your sin. That's not what you and I are. You and I are a living sacrifice. And there's only one sacrifice that was made to atone for sins. Whose sacrifice was that? It was Jesus. And you and I should never, can never, God never wants us to, make our life a sacrifice to pay for our sins. That was done on the cross of Christ. But here's how our life is like a sacrifice. Something does die. Your sins, your old self, it's all been put to death and you've been given a new life. You've been given a new life. All of, all of the ways that you used to live and sin that has been put to death and now you are alive and living. Not too many living sacrifices stay on an altar. They just go crawling off that altar <laughs> and you and I are that living sacrifice. We're gonna look at what that means in our relationship with one another. Paul gets into it in just a second here but pastor, I I don't, (laughs) this sounds too constricting. I'm gonna be living for God, but what about all that stuff that I was having fun doing with my life? Well, guess what? All that stuff that you think is fun that you were doing with your life, you've died to that, and you're living for Christ. I've had a couple dogs in my life, and forgive me for using a dog as an illustration for people, but Jesus uses sheep, which is even worse. But um, I've had a couple dogs, three dogs. The first one we won't talk about. We had to take her out back eventually. But the second one was uh, Milo, and Milo was a beagle. Milo was a hunting dog, but he lived in a domestic space. He never wanted to stay in the yard. He was crawling, he was digging, he was crawling under fences. He would do anything to get away when we lived in Northwest Oklahoma City. And he did get away. When he got away, he wasn't thinking about coming back home. We had to go out and get him. He just had this nature that did not want to be at home, although we loved him and he loved us when we had food in our hands. Um, I love Milo, Uh, he was a great dog, but that was his temperament. He wanted to get away all the time one time my dad was taking him for a walk with a leash around his hand and milo saw a rabbit or something and he just took off with that he didn't care if it choked him he broke my dad's hand now our dog that we have now i'm going to make her sound like a saint she was a puppy at one time and she wanted to get out of the yard and from time to time we'd have to chase her down but do you know what We've learned that when we do yard work in the front yard, I'm mowing the lawn or whatever, I can leave the fence open. And she comes in and goes out, and she won't even cross the street anymore, although she used to when she was a puppy. Because, you know what? She loves to stay by our feet, and she loves to protect us, and she knows that she has everything that she needs right there at home. But she's free, you see? She doesn't have a leash. She doesn't have a chain. I like to believe that she's completely content where she is, and she's happy that way. What Jesus is saying is that when you're set free, you are free as a Christian to do anything you want with your body, with your mind. But you love staying in the front yard of Jesus, sitting with him. Because he is the best master that has ever come into your life. And you might think to yourself, I'm going to go after that master called career, money, uh, all these other things that I, I, I'm excited about and I, I want to pour myself into. But guess what? Those are going to crush you in those at the end because those masters are worldly masters. They're gonna disappoint you when you don't make your way in your career like you wanted to. Your relationships that you pour into another person, maybe even your spouse or your fellow Christian, you look to them to be your redeemer. Well, guess what? They're gonna disappoint you, There, a sinner. Your best master is the one who gave his life for you and that is Jesus Christ. And you have the whole world. You're, you're Like Romans chapter eight says, you're unsinkable when you sit in the yard with Jesus and he's given you the freedom, no chain. You're, you're free from sin. I know, we're talking about our relationships with one another, but this is the key to a relationship with our fellow believers because of our mindset. Once we get our mindset right, that our Christian community around Jesus Christ is the best thing in our life, even deeper than blood relationships, then you have a future, and you do have a future with Jesus and his people that is a thriving one that God tells you be a part of, not just because it's good, but because I'm telling you that this is good for you and we can sit at his feet. Okay, so we're a living sacrifice. That means that we're free to stand with Jesus and we're free to give our life and to say, hands off, my life. My life's not my own anymore. It's Jesus, it's yours completely. And so Jesus, my master, my good master, you do with it whatever you tell me to do with it. That is your true and proper worship. But pastor, I will, I'm having trouble with this pastor because I, you know what, I'll make my life a living sacrifice if, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll volunteer more if God gives me more time. I'll give more if God gives me a better career. I'll serve more, my, I'll serve my Christian neighbor more if I see the other 80% at church showing up to the, to, to, to the volunteer days. Well, can I help you? Just a minute. If you want to identify idols in your life, here's a litmus test. The idols come after the if. Hmm? The idols come after the if. Whatever it is, God, I will give my life as a living sacrifice if whatever you fill in the blank there, that's your idol. And that's a master that you're running into the street that's gonna hurt you and harm you and you're not gonna have any joy in your life. You're gonna have Jesus in your life but you're gonna have the joy sucked out of you with serving this other thing that that comes after the if. But Jesus comes and he says this, because I gave my life for you, your life is a living sacrifice. Regardless of anybody else, how they treat you and how you've been treated by other Christians, You live with me, you sit in my yard, this is the way that you share this joy with other people. Do you see how you take your hands off of your life and you're actually free? Paul goes on, and uh, this is really the second part of the message today. It's not just what you're made for, you're made to be a living sacrifice, but it's who, I guess you English majors will say whom you're made for, and uh, he goes on and he says, have the right perspective on your life. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. And this is really interesting that he's telling us you have to have the right perspective on your life if you're going to be able to serve, and he's about to talk about all those service things in areas that are coming next. Grace gives you, here's a fill in the blank, the right perspective of yourself. Grace gives you the right perspective of yourself. Romans chapter 3 is one great example. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so what's the perspective that God is teaching us? You are no better than your fellow Christian who believes in Jesus and yet has fallen into gross, perverted sin. You're no better than them, although theirs is public. You've had those thoughts, but you didn't follow them through. They're just farther down the rails than you. You too are a sinner, just like them. On the other hand, Romans 3, 24 says what? But are justified freely by grace. Don't think too lowly of yourself. You are a sinner, so are your fellow Christians, because you are also a saint. Martin Luther said, at the same time, you and I are both a sinner and a what? saint because we're justified freely so you're not going to think too lowly of any other christian no matter what they're dealing with in their life whether it's a public sin whether it's a perverted sin whether it's a sin that you think is irredeemable god says that is redeemable and it was redeemed on the cross and i did it for that fellow believer and i want you to serve them with that grace and i want you to love them because you too are a sinner but you too are a saint and so God says, put on my lens. That person that you think shouldn't be loved because of the way they've acted are, is loved by God. The person that repents of their sin, they are forgiven. And that's the way God wants us to treat each other as fellow believers. I'm gonna, not gonna go too much farther on this point, but I do have a resource for you if you're interested in uh, reading a short devotional. This is called The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. Uh, I read it about once a year. It is, you could probably start downloading it right now on your phone, I mean after the sermon, and you could listen to at least half of it, probably all of it on your way home. It is just a couple pages, it's almost a pamphlet, but it has to do with exactly what we're talking about. Pastor Tim Keller talks about our perspective on ourself and not thinking too lowly of yourself, but not thinking too highly of yourself, he actually goes into 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where, guess what? Fellow believers were dealing with issues in the church about being prideful, or about being um, too overinflated, is in the Greek word. Check out this resource if you need a devotion this week. I think it's only like five bucks on Amazon. I don't get any royalties from this, by the way. So uh, it's it's, uh, a complete endorsement without that. Okay. Finally, this morning we're gonna look at this. Grace not just gives you the right perspective of yourself, it also gives you the right gifts for other people. And what you heard earlier were a list of gifts, I'm not gonna say it's an all-inclusive list of spiritual gifts, but many spiritual gifts that you and I share, or you might have, that you could identify with in that list. I'm not saying that this is the full list, there are many spiritual gifts that you might identify outside of this list, But Paul is listing them as a help for you and me to say there are many gifts and like a body has many parts, they all work together. And your gifts that you have in the Christian community is as unique as your fingerprint. God has given you a gift, and I do know this, that although I don't know all the gifts, that no Christian is unemployed. That's right, you have a gift and you are employed in the body of Christ I know that for sure, but I don't know. Only you and God know what those gifts are, and you can pray to God to give you clarity about where you're going to use those gifts. I also know this, that just as unique as your skill set is in the church, in the body of Christ, so is unique the setting, okay? The setting that you're put in. That means your community, the people that you know, the church that you go to, That setting is unique and very often it wasn't intentional that you landed there surrounded by the Christians that you're surrounded by but you're there and you should think as equally about the setting that you're in as the skills that you have. For example, you might think, oh pastor, (laughs) you have all the gifts, you're the professional here in the church and so you have all the gifts that are gonna be used in relationship with people and we're gonna sit in the pews. (laughs) Paul says baloney. That's not the church. He says the church is this, each and every one of you knows people that I don't know. For instance, you have a community of believers that you know outside of this church. Inside of this church, you have similar, maybe demons that you fight with believers that are like you that are not like me and I have demons that I fight that are similar to the demons that I can help other people fight because of where I'm at in my life and I have a certain amount of people that I know. Yesterday, um, as we were were renovating the the childcare center room, uh, one of the childcare families uh, was there. Uh, They're Christians, they go to another Christian church, but I never had got to know this guy before and I got to know him better and we learned a lot about each other. We learned that we're identical age and we have identical, well, we have the same Christian faith and that we have that we have the same health problems. And in that moment, that's a moment I can meet somebody and a Christian and encourage a Christian at a certain place in a certain time. But guess what? You were somewhere too this week. You were somewhere too interacting with other Christians, interacting with other people, and I couldn't be there. And I won't be there next week, but you will be. Think about the skills God has given you Think about the setting. Finally, um, we'll end with this. You know, Pastor, and this is the elephant in the room, I think, it, I think it, it's a good question to ask. Pastor, there's, there's lots of people in this world that do a lot of good for other people. And you know what? Some of them aren't believers. I can tell you that I know people, even in my bloodline, that have Denied God, and yet they are tremendously good people. There are philanthropists who don't believe in God or the Christian faith or Jesus that give tons of money to better the world. What makes us any different than those people when we do good? I'll tell you, people in this world, they do good, and that's a blessing. Number one, that's a blessing from God that he puts in people's consciences, whether they believe in him or not to do good in this world because that, that does make our world a better place. But people do good for various reasons. Some people do good out of tradition. I was raised this way, right? I was taught to do it this way. Other people, they do good um, out of prudence. This world would be a better place if we all just did this together. We'd have a enhanced lives if we all could just get together and you know make a better world. Other people do good out of religion God's going to punish me if I don't do good right or people and man are going to look at me as more righteous if I do more good right religion people do good for a lot of different reasons but the Christian does good especially to others in the fellowship of believers for one reason and one reason only joy that's it complete and utter joy that you are a redeemed child of God sitting in the front lawn with your master, Jesus Christ. And out of that joy, for no other reason, and you might want to make a better world, right? And you might want to do this out of tradition because you've always done it this way, to be good to other people. But really at the heart of it, when it comes down to it, it's that you've let your hands off of your life because Jesus has taken your life, forgiven you, and made you to be a complete living sacrifice. Final closing, closing thought. Jesus became a sacrifice that was a bloody sacrifice. He took his hands off of his life, and what happened to him? He was killed, and you and I are redeemed. Well, guess what? He's risen, and here's the awesome thing. When you take your hands off your life, you're not killed. (laughs) You're actually really starting to live the life that God has given you. So this morning, as I encourage you to take a next step in your faith, I want to tell you Jesus has let his life go so that you can let your life go and you have and you will. Amen. Thanks again for listening to Tell Podcasts. Tell's mission is simple, teaching you the real gospel so you can teach others. Remember, truth brings peace. For more about Tell, visit us on Facebook or at tellnetwork.org.